It is called male and female. Everybody say male. Everybody say female. All the males say female. All the females say male. Never call a girl female, though. I found that out the hard way. Don't do that. I say, I say, you ain't nothing but, I'm like, man, these females, I used to always say that. The one time someone was like, that's disrespectful. I was like, what? That's disrespectful. And then I had to receive. I thought about it. I'm like, man, you know, it, is, it does sound kind of weird when, like, women say, this such, this male, this male, this privileged white male, All right? That sounds, yeah, why you're coming at me, right? But, uh, so I understand that. But everybody say male. Everybody say female. If we can get a picture of the galaxy real quick. I just want, some, some of us maybe never seen Star Wars. There's the galaxy, right? Can anyone, AJ, where are you at? Where's AJ? Why don't you come up here? Can you find us? Can you find us? Yeah, you think you can find us? Where are we? Which spec? Where am I? Where am I? Right where? Right there? Right there? I can't reach it either. We're both short. Right here. Okay. Okay. All right. Give it up for AJ. Come on. So, yeah, you know, I just wanted us to understand that. Because we're going to get into basically the image today. Everybody say the image. The image is what we're made in. So, uh, can, and, and before we get into this, I want to show you guys a picture. Can we get the picture that I sent you? It's a baseball band of bouquet. Amen. Does anybody know where I'm going with? Okay, has anyone, anyone ever gave a bouquet to, uh, to a loved one? All right, I mean, I have. All right, has anyone, how do you guys usually do it? Do you grab it by the tulips or by the, the petals? Do you grab it like this and swing it around? You grab it by the stem. Has anyone ever played baseball before? All right. So there's a, there's a handle, right? Do you grab, so th- do you grab the baseball by this part? Well, it depends. It depends. <laughs> now I know who was a bench warmer, right? <laughs> Sorry, I was a bench warmer too. It's okay. And no, no, you grab it right here, right? So in a sense, you grab a baseball bat, right? Right, maybe you're warming up. I, I used to try to... I used to try to point where I would hit it, so I'd be like that, and I, this, this was my swing back then. Anybody ever heard of Alfonso Soriano? Alfonso Soriano, okay, he was my, my favorite Cubs player back then, but he was a hit or a miss. He was either home run or strikeout, and then anybody ever heard Coco Crisp? No, I'm so old. He used to play baseball, but he had a funny swing, and I, and it's because he was skinny like me, but all he did was have to get on base. And he would wind up like this. <laughs> this is my swing, and then... But I would miss usually. But, but anyway, I held the baseball bat usually like this. When I give wife to my, fl- uh, wife to my flowers. <laughs> flowers to my wife, I usually give it like this, Right? So you can hold the baseball bat and the flower the same way, but if you brought a bunch of flowers to a baseball game and you got up to the plate, right, that wouldn't make any sense. If you all of a sudden 
If I gave my wife a, a, a baseball bat and said, here you go, baby. It's our two-year anniversary. Here you go. She would look at me like, thanks. Yeah, she, she'd probably hit me. Exactly, right? And, and how many know, I know TJ, maybe Vicente, right? You guys have had bats in your cars before, just in case, right? Okay, imagine if you thought, hey, I'm going to have a flower in my car just in case. Imagine someone runs up on you and you, give, you try to hit them with a flower. You can hit them. It really wouldn't do much. So you hit a ball with a bat, and flowers are meant usually for decor or a romantic uh, gesture. Uh, now imagine if the roles were reversed, it wouldn't really work out that well. So what am I going at with this? Well, I want you guys to understand where I'm coming at with this. Everything has a purpose. Everything has a design. And even though you can kind of use that, uh, you use that thing for a different purpose, doesn't mean it always works out well. Now, we'll get into exactly what I mean in a little bit, but I mean, for some of you that know, this is where we're getting to. The Pride Month is this month, right? And I want to let you know what a what Pride Month is going on. Uh, it's a way that LGBT people, uh, and I'm just saying LGBT because it just, I always stutter if I try to do the rest, right? But they're celebrating the rights that they've gained and their plight that they have. In a sense, they take pride or a great joy in the fact that they are uh, gay people because they acknowledge uh, the external and sometimes internal stigma that comes with being gay. So this month, I'm going to address it. I'm not going to make gay jokes, okay? I'm not going to say gay hate speech. I'm not going to take jabs at gays. Uh, this is not a comedy show, but this is an invitation for people to come. If you do agree with their lifestyle, I'm going to show you why the Bible is completely against it and why God actually hates it, and, but why God still invites those in that lifestyle to have relationship with him. So this is what I want you guys to, to come in with an open mind, to listen, to pay attention, uh, because this month is going to be all, all that. If you've already seen social media, um, I, I just got into a debate with a girl that went to my school because she said that, uh, it was like a trans person, said, you call me ill, but you pray to a guy in the clouds that loves us unconditionally, but also conditionally at the same time. So we got into debate there. She was very respectful. Her friend, though, called me dumb like eight times. I don't even know, like why she was calling me dumb, but I guess I do. But understand this is that you're going to have conversations whether or not you agree or disagree. And if you disagree with me here, well, now you know how the, the, what the Bible says. I don't want you coming out of this place saying that the Bible supports homosexuality. I don't want you saying that the Bible supports uh, gay marriage or uh, polygamy. I don't want you coming out of this place thinking that the Bible has no say on this. I want you coming out of this place either saying, I agree with the Bible completely on this, or I completely disagree with the Bible on this. But hopefully, God willing, you will agree. Let's go to Genesis chapter 1, 26 to 31. I want you to know that humanity is uh, it's not a random result of evolution. It's not a purposeless and uh, purposeless uh, cause or a thing that's destined for destruction. Uh, humanity is not an accident, but humanity is a purposeful design from God. And humanity is created in God's image. Humanity is male and female, but humanity is depraved. So those are three things we're going to go over. So Genesis chapter 1, 26 to 31 says this. 
Then God said, everybody say God said. So this is God. Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God, everybody say, say, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. That's where we get our title for the sermon series. It's male and female. First off, humanity is created in whose image? God's image. Now, what is the point of this image? Does that mean that we can point to someone like real handsome and be like, that got to be what God looked like. That got to be. Right? I mean, look at him. Right? Look at him. I mean, some people feel that way. Or is it that we, is the image like, you know, God has a nose and he has eyes and he has a mouth? Is that God's image? Well, if you were Muslim, you would say God has seven left legs or something like that. Because they believe that. If they, they believe God has physical body parts and everything. I, I, don't, I don't think that's what the scripture is saying. Because in verse 28, it says, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth, subdue it, rule over it. The fish in the sea. Oh, there he goes. Thank you. Everyone give it up for Bethany with the quickness. Rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and every living creature that moves on the ground. So the image, when we look at scripture, is closely tied to the commission, the command, to their purpose. So we have to understand that the image is connected to the purpose. It's an actual responsibility. Everybody say responsibility. And it's really not that uncommon for us as people. Because how many of you are proud of your last name in a way, right? Like how many of you are like, man, I'm proud to be a Vega. I don't know if you're proud to be a Vega, but yeah. I'm Puerto Rican, right? Puerto Rican uh, festival, parade, all that. You know, how many Puerto Ricans? I know you're Puerto Rican. Raise your hand if you're Puerto Rican in this place. All right. There, there is a lot of pride in Puerto Rican culture where you got to rep your, man, I'm Puerto Rican. I remember when I was young, people would be like, bro, you won't do it? I'm like, I'm going to do it. Well, how are you going to do it? Well, man, don't even question me. I'm Puerto Rican. Like, how does that even a reason for anything you're about to do? It doesn't make sense. Now, but there is a certain responsibility you have when you come from a certain culture, right? I had black friends. They couldn't play basketball. They didn't, they didn't fulfill that responsibility to other people. I'm for real. I had one friend who was so frustrated with it because he couldn't hoop to save his life, and everyone kept calling him Oreo. That's wrong. But there's this certain responsibility. I'm trying to help you guys understand that with culture, like, you know, if you're Mexican, you can't speak Spanish, right? That's a big one. If you're Mexican, you can't speak Spanish, you're not Mexican. So there's this responsibility with a culture or a family name that comes with. So when we were made in God's image, we bear his identity. We are actually made like to be like him on this earth. And I've said it before, but I want us to understand just what that means in case of male and female. And what that means for that day. Has anyone ever seen the little Buddha in Jazz Cafe? Right? Well, in a lot of cultures, what they do is they go to Buddha and they rub his belly and they kiss. No, I'm just kidding. All right, no jokes. But they put food on Buddha, right? They give him food. And he's an idol. Anybody ever seen, uh, I think it would be 
the, the Hindu one, I forgot its name, but it has a hat that goes like this. Do you remember the name? I don't know if it's Krishna. It's either Krishna or it starts with a B. We'll say Krishna. Little statue kind of has the thing like that. Anybody ever seen that? Yeah, well, people give money. Lots of people, poor people give money, give the riches to this idol. Because back in the day, it wasn't just an idol. It was an image. So what they would do was people would make images for their God so that they could be close to their God. So that if they move somewhere, let's say you went from Chicago to L.A. We know God's not in L.A., right? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So they bring their God and they take him to L.A. We can't leave our God in Chicago, so we have to take him to L.A. And when you brought your idol, the image that you had... The presence of God was there. Everybody say the image. Everybody say the presence. So, but we understand this, is that God made who in his image? Us. Now, there's an issue here. Go to Exodus chapter 20, verse 4. So who points to the image of God? Right, right. That, that would be what the scripture is saying. He says right here, you shall not make for yourself a what? A what? In the form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. We've gone over some of these scriptures before, but I want to kind of challenge you guys. God made an image... But he tells us not to make a image. Does that make sense? God made an image, but he tells us not to make an image. We have to understand is that God, his requirement doesn't mean that Andy has to stay up all night carving a wood, like a wooden, like bearded dude that looks like the guy from like Simpsons or Family Guy and say, This is my God. He doesn't have to do that. We don't have to go to these. Churches where they have the Virgin Mary and they have the, you know, Jesus on the cross looking all sickly and start worshiping him. We don't, we don't have to do that. However, it doesn't mean now we all of a sudden start worshiping ourselves either. Why is that? Why, why is it that since you're the image of God, right, you're made in the image of God, why can't I just be worshiped? Why? Well, it goes into what he's saying there. Images aren't meant to be worshiped. But they're supposed to represent the God that made them. We represent as God's image the God who made us. In a sense, we didn't make an idol so to God to be that, that idol. God made an idol for God to be with the idol. The idol, the image, was not for God to worship or for us to worship, for God to have fellowship with. Adam and Eve, right, they were made in his image. And it says that God rested on the seventh day and he walked with Adam and Eve. So even though God tells us not to make an image, God himself made an image and that image was us. Now, usually, of course, uh, like I said, people will come to that idol to worship God. So they would have an idol and they would commit sacrifices to that idol, and they would worship it. Matter of fact, in that culture, the Israelites were captured all the time because they kept 
falling in sin, cheating uh, with their God, with other gods, pretty much. God's a jealous God, but they kept worshiping other gods, breaking that covenant, and they kept sleeping around with other people and other religions, mixing with them, and eventually they were weak, didn't hold to their convictions, they were captured. And when they were captured, usually, they would come to their temple, and they would see, looking for their God and see who the God they conquered, but they would see no idol. So they would almost be, think that these people don't have a God because there's no idol. I want that background understanding because I think it's relevant for today because people still worship gods and idols. But then also we use that we're made in the image of God all time in a way to, you know, respect each other, a way to support each other. Like you're made in the image of God. You have to value each other. That's, that's where the, the Constitution gets that we're created equal because we're all created in the image of God. But I want to take it a step further, and I want to put responsibility on us to live up to that purpose. And this is a bigger concept that we have to understand. Who's the image again? Who's the image? Us. So from the very beginning, God made us to be with us. From the very beginning, he made us to be with us. Now, with that image, the image is male and female. Many people want to say that the scripture didn't understand genders, therefore we disregard this. But this is an arrogant thing. This is an arrogant thing. Ancient people had people who did all types of things, had different types of thoughts about gender and sexuality. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 5. Anybody ever heard of, uh, what is it called? I think tranny... Reading hour. Anybody ever heard of that? In New York, there's times where trannies come to libraries and they read them a story about acceptance and tolerance. Now, a lot of these people have been convicted of uh, pedophilia, but not all of them. So I'm not going to say all of them are pedophiles, but I'm going to say that there have been some. And it's very odd to see men dressed up in bras with hairy chest and exposed man breastuses. Reading about, reading to children, it's just, it's an odd picture, but I digress. This is nothing new. A woman must not wear men's clothing, nor a man wear women's clothing, for the Lord your God to test anyone who does this. This is nothing new. People were doing that since before, since before the United States, and even, I'll I'll give, in in a culture in the Native Americans, they used to have a person who they would call two-spirit, because that person was a man sometimes and was a woman sometimes. So they thought he was possessed by two spirits. So this type of stuff is nothing new. Nothing new. People like to make you think like, oh, man, dude, what did people do in the world before they had two genders? Oh, I don't know, Billy. They were sad people. Like, no, that's not how they lived. They, they, they had all types of weird fantasies, and they lived all types of ways. They, they did what they wanted. Let's go to Leviticus 18. Everybody know the Ten Commandments, correct? Well, God added a whole 600 because they couldn't follow the Ten. And a lot of that has to do with sexuality. Leviticus 18. Let's go down, please. I'll tell you when to stop. Go down, please. Down. Okay, right there. Verse 9. All right. So, do not commit adultery. Whoa, God. What if I marry my sister? Then I can commit adultery, right? Well, God's saying don't have sex with your sister, right? Incest is wrong. Right? Do not commit adultery. That's what it would be in. Well, I'm going to marry my sister. 
then I won't be committing adultery. No, do not have sexual relations with your sister, either your father's daughter or your mother's daughter. Because then they would be like, well, what about my stepsister? Nope, nope, still. Whether she was born in the same house or elsewhere. Do not have sexual relations with your son's daughter or your daughter's daughter. That would dishonor you. Do not have sexual relations with your daughter of your father's wife born to your father. She is your sister. Do not have sexual relations with your father's sister. She is your father's close relative. Go down once more. Do not have sexual relations with your mother's sister because she is your mother's close relative. Do not dishonor your father's brother by approaching his wife to have sexual relations. She is your aunt. Don't have sex with your aunt. Do not have sexual relations with your daughter-in-law. She is your son's wife. Do not have sexual relations with her. Do not have sexual relations with your brother's wife. That is a no-no. That is a no-no. Leave the bro's wife alone. That would dishonor your brother. Do not have sexual relations with both the woman and her daughter. Do not have sexual relations with both of them, either of them, either her son's daughter or her daughter's daughter. They are a close relative. That is wickedness. Do not take your wife's sister as a rival and have sexual relations with her while your wife is living. Whew. Do not have, do not approach a woman to have sexual relations during uncleanliness of her monthly period. Go down. Do not have sexual relations with your neighbor's wife and defile yourself. Okay, and and it keeps going and it keeps going and it mentions. I mean, people were just wilding, wilding. I mean, understand that. But this is nothing new. This is nothing new. People wilding today. People stay wilding. Everybody say stay wilding. So. God said, do not commit adultery. They tried to find loopholes around it. And God continued to give laws to Moses so that they would understand that. So when people are like, oh, man, you know, homosexuality, it says it there, but it also talks about shellfish. They don't understand the law. They don't understand the law. And the reason why homosexuality was a sin, why it says in, uh, in Leviticus, a man should not lie with a man and a woman should not lie with a woman. Then it also says after that, I don't know. I don't know about y'all, but I'm thankful for this. Thou shalt not have sex with animals, right? Shouldn't do that either. God says a lot. God says a lot about sexuality because we are made in the image of God. We had a purpose. We had a design. We had a reason for existence. So Adam and Eve were created in the image of God, and they were created with different roles. That's important. Adam was not created to be Eve. Eve was not created to be Adam. Now, understand this. I know there are women in this world that could beat me up. 100% sure. 100% sure. Ronda Rousey, no matter how many times she got knocked out, I would not step up to her. I wouldn't. But predominantly, this is what humanity has been. Men have been stronger than women. Men provided for women, no matter the exception. Now, Jesus, he does away with the, the, the gender norms to a certain extent because he makes everyone equal, so you don't have to marry. Women had to marry in the ancient world. That's just how it was. But doesn't change this, that if we took one man that was normal and took one woman that was normal and they just lived normal lives, barely worked out, the man would be stronger than the women. That's just true. And then this, let's say we just took one man and one woman and they just lived normal lives. That man would never give birth to a baby. That man would never do that. And also, I don't think men could handle it. I'm just going to be honest. I don't think I could handle that. Like if, if, we were pot, if we were just able to switch up real quick, just so I, can, I wouldn't be able to handle it. 
But understand this. God created us that way. We have different roles. We have different roles. Men are a little, are, are more aggressive. When you have younger men, okay, like I teach pre-K all the way to eighth grade. Man, there's a first grader. I, I mean, he'll knock out some of the seventh graders. He's so aggressive. Like he's just playing around, and he just shoves people, and they go flying. I'm like, what the heck? It's a ball of energy, but he's so strong at that age. I mean, I, there was this third grade. I did 42 push-ups, 42 push-ups. I'm just like, what is going on? But men were created to be stronger than the women. Now, women can still be strong, though. Don't get me wrong, right? Still be strong. But this is how God created us. There's different roles. Men weren't supposed to be breastfeeding their kids, yet we have nipples. Think about that. Think about that. We have nipples, yet we don't breastfeed. That's weird to think about, but women were created to breastfeed. If a man put their baby to their nipple, the baby, right, would be like, get that ugly, hairy thing away from me. I don't want that, right? And just smack it and move it away, right? That's, that's the truth. Here we have roles. We have purpose. We have design. God created that way. God created you to be you. Now, here's the thing. Adam and Eve... They weren't just meant to be like, well, you know, back in the day, God created us with a purpose, but that was back in the day. That doesn't apply here. No, no, they were meant to be an example. And that's why it says when God created Adam and Eve, what does Adam say to Eve, right? Flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone, right? And then it says after that, this is why a man leaves his father and his mother to be united in one flesh with his wife and family, right? One flesh, one family. So they're meant to be an example. Adam was meant to be an example for how men are. Eve is meant to be an example of how Eve are, Eve, uh, women are. So that's one thing we have to understand is that when we distort this design, when we distort the design, when we perverse the, per, uh, the purpose, we're going against the designer automatically. Automatically. People who hate the idea that a man and a woman are supposed to be together, they eventually hate God because God is the one who set it up that way. God is the one who set it up that way. People who hate the idea of marriage between a man and a woman, they hate God because God loves this idea. God actually says, this is my image. When male and female are together in one flesh, this is my image. Think about that. That's why I said male and female, the image, because the male and the female together represent God in his image. That doesn't, make, that doesn't mean now if you're going to be single, you don't represent the image. You represent the image as well. When you're in fellowship with Christians, matter of fact, the Bible says we represent the body of Christ. So understand that, that unity, people, right, living holy, living God's purpose together, whether it be in marriage, whether it be in fellowship, Together, they represent the image of God. So understand that. Now, this is where I'm, I'm just laying down the groundwork of what the, God, what the Bible says about the image of God and sexuality. Just want to lay that groundwork. Now, we're going to talk about what we actually see. Can we go to Romans chapter 1? This is what we actually see in most of humanity. And, and the Bible is very explicit in what it says. Keep going down, please. A little bit more. Down, down. Sorry. Sorry. 
going, keep going. You can scroll a little fast. There you go. Verse 18, everybody say the wrath of God. So when you distort the design and go against the designer, you, in a sense, reject his purpose. And this is what the Bible says about that. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since, they be, since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and divine nature has been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. Everybody say, without excuse. Now, this is speaking, of course, to the generation at Adam and Eve and every generation after. Because every person group in this world has been religious. There has never been a culture, a people group that have not been religious. Now, you're going to be like, what about the atheists? I guarantee you, just like when they asked Dawkins, anybody know who Dawkins is? Richard Dawkins, famous atheist. They started asking him, oh, do you believe in God? No, I don't believe in, he's a British, I don't believe in the God. It's ridiculous. Okay, well, you know, then they asked him some more questions. What's your best theory for how people got to this place? How did we come to be? He says, well, um, I suppose that mm, uh, there could be uh, a different being uh, from somewhere else, and he comes, and he cultivates life, and, and we're here. Yes. Basically, just like every alien movie, just like Scientology, just it. See, everyone is innately religious, no matter what. Everyone has a certain rule, dogma, everybody. Why? Because it's clear to us what is right. It's clear to us what is wrong. I was talking to one kid a long time ago, and I said, do you believe there's right or wrong? He said, no. I don't believe there's right or wrong. Now, this argument goes against the atheist no matter what, because we can say you will never know what right or wrong is, but then at the same time, I'll say you innately have an intuition what is right or wrong. You see, everybody would never, never kill their mother if they loved her, if they loved her. If you love something, everyone in humanity that loves something, whether it be themselves, a narcissist, or whether it be someone that is obsessed with something, they would never kill that person, right? They want to keep that person. They would never try to knowingly do harm to them. Why is that? Love, right, does not equal murder. It's because we were clearly seeing God's law, his invisible qualities. Everyone clearly knows that to a certain extent. Everyone. So we go back to the scripture. I just want to make that clear. Even the atheist knows, but they refuse to come to a full understanding. But they are without excuse. For although they knew God, keep going down, please, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images. Everybody say images. Made to look like a mortal human being, birds, animals, and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over. Everybody say, gave them over. In the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things 
rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. Here's the thing. If we keep going down, it says again, because of this, God gave them over to shameful lust. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, men also abandoned natural relations with other men, with one another, and became inflamed for with one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. So a lot of people, when you quote this to someone who really wants to believe in the Bible, but and I, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. I'm giving maybe you are in the same boat. I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. Maybe you just love people so much that you don't want them to be unhappy. You see that they struggle with same-sex attractions. You see that they are, man, this person is nice to me. Why can't they be good with God? I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt here. Let's say you look at this passage and you're struggling. So you try to reason. Maybe, maybe since they were born gay, it is natural for them. That's what you hear a lot. Since they were born gay, that's natural for them. Oh, since they were born with that lust, it can't be shameful. So it should be something they're actually proud of. That's a lot of the things you hear. That's what I hear a lot. There's an issue, though. It's because, like I said, this is not just speaking about people now. This is speaking about people all time, including the generation after Adam and Eve. The generation after Adam and Eve, it completely mirrors it. That's why everybody say context. Everybody has to read the scriptures in context. This is a perfect, perfect comparison, side-by-side -side comparison of what happened in the Garden of Eden, right? But then also what happened in the Tower of Babel and what happened in Noah's generation. We understand Paul was Jewish. He had the Old Testament. He's helping people understand human history. This is what happened. You know, we have the garden. We were supposed to worship God. But instead, we turned away from him. We turned away from him. We started turning to idols. God gave us up. He said, here you go. Once God gave us up, we began to worship them even more. And then we were given up even more, given to our, our shameful lust and desires. Then, right, here comes God's wrath. Remember, Noah's flood. It was clearly seen. See, it's mirroring what the Bible already has said to be true. A lot of people like to say, well, Jesus never mentions homosexuality. Never, not even once. Well, he mentions marriage in the same way that Paul mentions marriage, in the same way he also never goes against the sexual code of conduct that the Old Testament has. So we have to understand there's no way around this. The natural relationship that Paul is talking about is Adam and Eve. Remember, I said they're the example. So whenever you're speaking to someone who wants to believe in the Bible, but wants to say, I want to affirm same-sex um, lifestyles, you have to honestly give them an ultimatum. Give them an ultimatum. God hates homosexual sex. Hates it. God hates the deception of sex outside of marriage. God hates incest. God hates bestiality. I read that huge list. It's all detestable. It's all dishonorable. The only reason homosexuality is spoken about so much is because it is what the culture is speaking about. Did you know, did you know that at 
first grade, in first grade, they're going to start taking kids and start showing them all the different genders and be like, choose. You take a first grader to a Chinese restaurant like Jess Cafe, they can't even choose what they want to eat, but you expect them to choose their gender? They can't even choose what they want to wear, but you expect them to make a decision like that? Did you know that now that child can take puberty blockers, can now, well, not now, but in the near future, if this stuff starts to pass, can get a sex change. You see, even people in the trans community don't think this is right. And I've said that before, but I want to help you understand just what is happening. God is giving us up over to our shameful lust. This is shameful. This is nothing to be proud about because God made us in his image. God made us with a purpose, a design. He made male and female so they'd be fruitful and multiply. God made man and female in his image so they would represent who he is. Holy. Holy. Different, unique, set apart. God did not make us into a confused generation. He made us very, very clear, but we were not happy with that. In, the sen in this sense, God made us in his image, but we wanted to make a God in our image. So God made us to be like him, and when we sinned, we wanted a God to be like us. That's why you have these people that are Christian, quote unquote, they're not Christian. They want to say that Jesus supported gays because he himself was gay. They want to say that David and Jonathan, they were hooking it up. They want to say that Naomi and Ruth, they were sleeping just trying to get money from Boaz. See, they want to, because I want to help you guys understand this. It's not, it's bigger than homosexuality. It's bigger than that. Do your history. Do your research. You go back to the 1970s. There's this thing called a sexual revolution. We're going to get into that next time I preach. But I'm going to give you a snippet. This is bigger than homosexuality. Because what Bernie Sanders, what many people that are supportive of this, what they'll tell you, what they won't tell you is this. That they believe sexual liberation is the way to truly free people. There are philosophers that say this. That the reason why people are depressed and kill each other and go to war is because they're not having enough sex. So if you have enough sex, hey, you're not going to be depressed. You're not going to be angry. Man, tell that to Attila the Hun. Anybody know about Attila the Hun? He got like a billion, a million descendants. I mean, he was constantly killing people, constantly making babies. It doesn't make sense, but they think that sexual liberation, taking these shameful lusts and flipping it on its head and making it something to worship is going to change us. It's going to free us. It's going to make us new. It's going to make us better. It's going to improve humanity. If we're more accepting and tolerant, if you have sex when you're young, right, guess what? You'll be more experienced when you're older, when you have sex outside of marriage, you get to see if that person's really good and bad because then you'll marry them. Those are the type of things that they say, and that's how they started off. Now they're like, 
Well, how do you know sex with a man isn't good? You got to try it. How do you know sex with a woman isn't good? You got to try it. Liberate yourself. Try it out. How do you know having sex with multiple people at the same time isn't good? You got to do it. You got to experience it. You see, but this is nothing new. God gave us up to our shameful lust. The only thing new about this is that it's more mainstream than ever. It's more accessible than ever. It's more in the light in your face, in a good light, in a good face than ever. That is because we are depraved. Humanity is lost. Humanity is far from God. Far from it. But this is what I want you to know. Even in the Old Testament when it's saying all those things, get this in your mind. It's saying it to people that are there that are actually doing it. So like the guy that has sex with his aunt, with Auntie Pearl, he's right there. And they're like, you know, thou shalt not have sex with your aunt. And then everyone looks at him. He's like, oh, dang, well, I didn't know. Why am I saying that? It's because God... Even though God's wrath is coming, that's the truth. A lot of people don't like to say that God's wrath is coming. And we've experienced that. The Bible says we, we see the error. We, we go through the error. When you have sex outside of marriage, there's a lot of problems like STDs. If you ever came to church on a Sunday and you heard Pedro talk about it, right? He used to mention it all the time. You talk to anyone that has lived a promiscuous life, they deal with that. They deal with that. You talk to people that are your age now, two years from now, because they've been having sex, you'll see that they have maybe kids outside of marriage. And when you have kids outside of marriage, the reason why marriages end in divorce because they have kids outside of marriage, then they get married, and then they hate each other, but they stick together for the kid, then they end up getting divorced, and it's even worse than before. You see, the error of your ways are experienced when you go against God. However... God's love is shown to all of people. Doesn't matter if you're incestuous. Doesn't matter if you're homosexual. It doesn't matter if you are neither of those things, none of those things that are being said. See, God's invitation to join him, to be like him, to be like Christ is available to the whole world. Doesn't that matter what community they're in. It doesn't matter what gender they claim to be. And with this is one thing I want you to understand is that the image of God is not something you can leave. See, the image of God, which I also believe has free will, I believe people choose to be gay. Why? Because when you have attractions, attractions, obviously everyone here has attractions, at least if you've hit puberty. If you've hit puberty, then you understand you have attractions. Attractions, they come and they go. You may be attracted for a moment. You may not be attracted for another moment. You may, be a bit, you may be attracted to your best friend for a second. Then you may think they're ugly as heck the next second. You may be attracted to someone who's older, someone who's younger, right? Like, let's say you're, you're 15, there's someone who's 13. In 10 years, when they're 23 and you're 25, it doesn't really make much of a difference. But at that age, I remember, that was disgusting. You're like weird. But these attractions don't control you. Why? Because the image of God includes free will, freedom to choose, freedom to choose. 
God did not make people gay. God didn't make them gay. God didn't sit here saying, I'm going to confuse an entire generation. I'm going to make these, people lives, these people's lives a living hell. Because I'm going to say in this book, homosexuality is sin. And in my heart, I'm going to confuse them and make them gay. Why would God do that? Why would God make people gay and then say it's a sin to be gay? That makes no sense. God would be a troll. Not only a troll, but he would be evil. He would be like, almost like, you know, you give, you give uh, it's like when you're little and you're given candy, but you're not allowed to eat it, and you just have to hold on to it. And then you haven't had lunch, dinner, or anything. You're just hungry. And you're staring at it. And you're like, man. And then your dad just keeps saying, don't eat that. Don't eat that. How, many, how much longer before you eat it? You see, God did not create us to have these shameful lusts. We chose these shameful lusts. So God gave us over to them. He said, listen, you're made in the image. What does the image do? They rule and sub, uh, subdue all of creation. You're created with this authority to govern yourself. You're either able to say, okay, I give up my right for you to follow you, or you can say, hey, I'm going to be my own God. I'm going to make my own God, and I'm going to do what I want. You can say those either, either one of those two things, if we can have the altar workers up and the worship team. So if everyone can stand up, please. So this is what you guys should understand from leaving this place. Not once have I said all gays are going to hell. Have I said that? No, I haven't. That's what a lot of people want to paint this picture as, is that when you say something is a sin, you are automatically saying that person's condemned. No, I don't need to say that. The scripture already says if you do not believe in the Son of God, you stand condemned already. So we have to get that out the way. If you don't believe in Christ, there's no point in having this conversation with you. You believe in Christ, put your faith in him, we can have a conversation about all these things after. Now, for some of you that are confused, but you do believe in God, let's say you have, a, a, you have these lusts that you, you, you have, right? You have these attractions, and you're confused. You're like, well, I, I want to worship God. I hear what you're saying, but I just don't know what to do with these same-sex attractions, well, I tell you what you shouldn't do, you shouldn't just give in to them, but you also shouldn't feel ashamed for temptation. Temptation is a part of being the image right now because, like I said, we've been given up. God gave up humanity. Jesus came to restore us, and now we, right, have this thing called the flesh. We are tempted, tempted with things that we really wish we wouldn't be tempted with. That doesn't mean all of a sudden you give in to that temptation. Scripture says that God is faithful. He's given us a way out of temptation. He's provided it for us. So every temptation you face, God has given you a way out of it. Now this is the thing. If you in this place have been continuously confused, and instead of taking that confusion to God, to the Scriptures... And saying, God, align my mind with this. Let's say you haven't been tempted with same-sex attractions, but let's say you've wanted to have sex outside of marriage. Jesus said, if you lust after a woman, 
in your heart that's not your wife, you've committed adultery. That's pretty rough. Should everyone say, well, that's impossible to follow? God, Jesus didn't know what he was talking about. He didn't know in the 21st century there'd be such thing as porn. There'd be such thing as, as adult movies. There'd be such thing as models. Like, he didn't know that. Jesus was around people who covered their ankles. He doesn't know what I'm feeling. If you do that, you're going to give in to your lust. Don't make excuses for your sins. You're without excuse, my friends. This is what you should do if you're confused. You go to Christ. You worship him. You deny yourself. You pick up your cross, and you follow him. That's for every temptation, every bit of confusion. And let's say you are a Christian, but you're afraid to speak on this. Like, you wouldn't dare talk about this. When people bring this up, you like to kind of skirt, skirt, dip. You need boldness because the whole world is talking about this. And listen, Christians are losing their reputation because they're afraid to talk like this. Because the whole world is saying, what do Christians believe? And then you're saying, well, man, I, you know, uh, and you don't want to talk about it because you don't want to lose friends. Listen, not only are you going to lose friends when they find out what you actually believe, but you're going to lose your reputation. Because they're going to say, you lied to me. You thought this whole time I was in sin, I was going to hell. You were with people that thought this same thing. You're disgusting. If you tell them the truth straight up, you could actually keep that friendship. I want to let you know that. And you can have someone that you can continuously witness to, continuously have that Christian reputation of being someone who has integrity. But you got to be bold. You have to be bold. If you're not bold, not only are you going to lose that reputation, you're going to lose your friendship and, and vice versa. So that's for the altar call today. If you are confused, the altar calls for you. If you are timid and scared, timid and scared, you don't want to talk about this. The altar calls for you because we were made in the image of God. We have a responsibility to be like God. If we reject that responsibility and we say, God, I, I don't want to live like you've told me to do, to live. What we do, in a sense, is we make another image and we worship that image. So repent of that, people. Everyone close your eyes and bow your heads. We're going to have a time of worship after I pray, but the altar call is open for you. Father, I thank you, Lord, because... God, you decided to make us in your image, Lord. God, I just want to, to praise you for that, God. To give you thanks for that, God. Even though we talked mostly about controversial things, Lord, I'm so glad that we got to understand your image and just what it means to be made in the image of God, how close it means to being in your presence, Lord. The sweetness of your presence, Lord, in this generation seeking a, 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 a crazy amount of pleasure, craving pleasure, God, I pray that they would turn to you, the God who's in his right hand has pleasures forevermore, Lord. May we seek, Lord, your face. May we seek, Lord, your hands. May we seek, Lord, this relationship, your presence that you made for us to have since the beginning, God. Lord, I pray, and in our seeking, Lord, 
that God, all things would be made clear, Lord. That the Holy Spirit would guide us into all truth, Lord. That confusion that is not of you, God, would be eradicated in Jesus' name. God, that people that are timid and scared because they're unsure of what your scripture says, I pray that you would make it clear in Jesus' name. I pray that this youth group would be holy. One that serves you, one that worships you. One that knows you and wants you to be made known to everyone else, Lord. Hallelujah. Convict, convict the hearts of everyone in this place, Lord. Let this be a place of repentance, God. Forgive us, God, for any timidity. God, forgive us for, for being afraid of society and what society says about you, Lord. Help us to love, Lord, the LGBT community like people made in your image because they are made in your image, God. Hallelujah. The altar call is open. Don't leave this place timid. place I want to challenge you guys if you're not coming up for altar I want you to pray for three people that you know that either don't believe in God because of the issue of homosexuality or people that are in the LGBT community pray for them to come to know Jesus to leave that lifestyle You set a fire in our hearts, God. Lord, that we would not turn our blind eye to those in sin. But like your word says, we would warn those that are headed to the slaughter. That we would warn those that are headed towards your wrath, God. God, we thank you, Father, for this time of worship. God, I thank you that we can have more of you, Lord. Lord, that we are satisfied in you, Jesus. God, you satisfy those who seek you, Lord, and who trust in you. God, all that fear your name, Lord, you satisfy them, Lord. God, I pray, Lord, for everyone in this place that as they leave, God, they would understand they have not left you, Lord. That you are still with them. That God, when they go to their uh, when they go to the, back to their schools this fall, or maybe they hang out with their friends in the summer, Lord, I pray that they would not be afraid to speak on these things, Lord. 
But instead, God, I pray that they would be bold as lions, Lord. But God, I pray that they would be loving, gentle, and inviting so that those who hear their preaching would repent and come to know you, Jesus. So in your mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. You guys are dismissed. If you still want to come up for altar call, you're welcome. God bless you guys.